out of the frying pan into the fire, uh, going from bad to worse, uh, between a rock and a hard place. My mother told me there would be days like this. So go some of the familiar expressions of exasperation. Tough days, we all have them. Uh, some are worse than others. Uh, it happened to a guy who was on the first day of his job in a construction uh, company. He was the low man on the totem pole, and so his job was to move a pile of bricks from the top of a two-story house down to the ground. Uh, in the process, uh, he got hurt, and he went to the hospital, and his employer asked him to write uh, an accident report. Here's, what, here's how it read. Uh, thinking I could save time, I rigged a beam with a pulley at the top of a house and a rope leading to the ground. I tied an empty barrel on one end of the rope, pulled it to the top of the house, and then fastened the other end of the rope to the tree. Going up to the top of the house, I filled the barrel with bricks. Then I went down to unfasten the rope to let the barrel down. Unfortunately, the barrel was now heavier than I, and before I knew what was happening, the barrel jerked me up in the air. I hung on to the rope, and halfway up I met the barrel coming down, receiving a severe blow to my body. I then continued on up to the top, banging my head on the beam and jamming my fingers in the pulley. Ouch! When the barrel hit the ground, the bottom burst, spilling the bricks. As I was now heavier than the barrel... I started down at high speed. Halfway down, I meant the empty barrel coming up, receiving several cuts and contusions from the sharp edges. At this point, I must have become confused because I let go of the rope. The barrel came down, striking me on the head, and I woke up in the hospital. I respectfully request sick leave. Yeah, I'd think so. Some days, you honestly wonder if... You can even get out of bed in the morning. Other days, you wonder if you're ever going to make it back to bed that night. On this Mother's Day, we want to honor all of our moms. If you're a mom and you're discouraged today, I hope that what I have to say can be encouragement to you. You know, it's important to remember that the devil, one of his main strategies is to get believers discouraged. Uh, maybe, Mom, you have a young baby or young children and you feel exhausted all the time. Or maybe you've given your life to your kids and now they've grown up into teenagers and uh, they're rebelling against you and you feel like they hate you. Uh, my wife, Jory, can relate to most any experience you have as a mom. Uh, we have nine children. And my wife, Jory, has given her life to our kids. Uh, when our uh, fifth son, Mark, was about two years old, he was a handful. And I uh, called home to Jory uh, one day to see how she was doing. And uh, she said to me, I want to sell Mark. I mean, he was just unbelievable. He would, uh, you know, write with marking pen on the walls, crayon on the carpets, 
uh, lipstick on his clothes. Uh, that particular day, he had torn a big uh, swath of uh, wallpaper off his bedroom wall uh, right next to the crib he was in, in which he was supposed to be sleeping. A few days before, he had ripped a big piece of wallpaper off our dining room. Uh, since most wallpaper prints are discontinued after a while, this meant she had to re-wallpaper both of those rooms. She was beside herself. Uh, all of us have days when we wonder if we can go on. Years ago, I learned that if I preach to people who are discouraged, I'll never lack for an audience. Uh, Christians are not immune to discouragement. Although you know that the Bible teaches that, uh, you, uh, that God rewards you if you keep following Him, uh, you may be asking yourself, is serving Christ really worth it? So look at our text today, Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest, if we do not give up. I'd like you to uh, personalize that verse as you read it again with me. Read with me. I will not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time I will reap a harvest if I do not give up. Apostle Paul tells us not to give up doing good, for our actions will eventually pay off. With this one condition, we must not give up. Uh, so far in our series, Choices Matter, uh, the Laws of Consequences, we've looked at three laws of consequences. The first one we considered was we reap what we sow. Choices have consequences. Uh, you sow wheat and you reap wheat. You sow anger and you reap anger. Uh, the second law we looked at was we reap in a different season. Uh, there's a delay between choices and consequences. Uh, many people are fooled into thinking that there are no moral absolutes in this world because when they do something good, nothing good happens to them. When they do something bad, nothing bad happens to them. What they forget is that there's usually a delay between choices and consequences. God is giving us time to turn from our bad ways. The third law we, won, we pondered was that we reap more than we sow. Our choices result in multiplied consequences. Uh, we choose evil, and many bad things happen to us. We choose to do good, and many blessings come our way. Now today I want to look at, with you at a fourth law of consequences, we receive the full benefit of doing good only if we do not give up. Have you ever watched a uh, big city marathon race? Uh, there's often well over 20,000 runners, and if you're at the starting line, it'll take several minutes before the last runner uh, crosses the starting line. Uh Pretty soon, the faster runners pull away, and they're kind of running in a group by themselves. Um, but 
running well and leading in a marathon is not a guarantee you're going to win the race. Years ago, a, 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 a man was leading the marathon, and he had a pretty good lead, but he stumbled just a few yards from the finish line, and he lay there dazed for several seconds, and two runners passed him. And then finally, he, he got up again, and he stumbled across in third place. You know, it's a, it's a vivid example that running a race well does not guarantee you're going to finish well. Uh, maybe you saw the classic uh, University of Oregon uh, race, uh, a runner running the 800 meters, and he celebrated too soon. Watch this. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can. And you know, you see his face, and you know. It's possible for a Christian who's accomplished much, been greatly used by God, received high acclaim, known many victories, to stumble on the last lap. So don't think, I'm old. My best years are behind me. It doesn't matter what I do from here to the end. Or, I'm widowed. The love of my life is gone. It doesn't matter what I do now that I'm single and my mate is gone. Or, you're a mom who is thinking, I've worked so hard for my kids, but now they've grown up and they, don't, they seem to resent me. They don't even want me around. So it doesn't matter what I do anymore. No, it does matter. What does the Bible teach about not giving up? It teaches a lot. Let me slim it down to three things you can do to not give up. One, hold fast. The writer to the Hebrew says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, what do we hold fast to? We hold fast to the hope which is based on God's promises. Uh, do you believe God keeps his promises? God keeps every one of his promises that we find in his word. This is why spending 15 or 20 minutes in the Bible every day in time with Christ, is so important. You come across a promise from God, and you can cling to that as you go through your day. Filling our minds with God's promises is so important for us. Uh, during this uh, shelter-in-place uh, strange time, uh, I think you actually have more time uh, to spend, or most of you do, to spend time with God, so I encourage you to do that. You say, I try to read the Bible, and every time I make a commitment, I do well for a couple weeks, and I'm going great, and then I, something happens, and I get behind, and then I just give up. So how can we find a strategy to, for spending time with Christ that we can keep up and do it uh, day after day? Uh, let me you make this suggestion. Make your commitment. Do you say, God, I'm... I'm committed to spending time with you every day, but start small. Don't set your alarm for 4.30 and say you're going to spend an hour. Try 15 minutes. You have 15 minutes. 
When I was a freshman in college, I made a commitment to God that I would spend 15 minutes with Him uh, every morning before my first class. And I did that, and then by my junior year in college, I discovered the value of memorizing verses. And I wanted to do that every day, and I uh, began a practice of writing down answers to prayer that I had prayed the day before and what happened, and then I began to see the importance of praying for more people. And so I increased my time to 30 minutes a day. So my counsel to you is to make a commitment to spend 15 minutes with God and then only increase that as God leads you. The Apostle Paul writes, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. God has promised that he has reconciled us through Christ's death on the cross if we put our faith in Christ. What's our part? To continue in our faith and to hold fast to the hope of the gospel. We are not to give up. The psalmist tells us about some who did not hold fast. The men of Ephraim, uh, Ephraim is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by His law. Uh, They turned back. They gave up. Bear Grylls is a strong Christian who served as a former officer in the British SAS elite forces. Uh, He's best known for his television show, Man vs. Wild. Uh, He says that there were 21 times uh, that he could have died in that show. After one of his accidents, he was told that he should uh, never again do mountain climbing. Yet a year later... He was back climbing Mount Everest for his Man vs. Wild show. After climbing 55 days, and when they reached 28,000 feet, he was so exhausted, and he heard a voice uh, speaking to him saying, you know, you're not supposed to be up here. You're not supposed to be doing mountain climbing anymore. You don't belong here. And so at one point, just totally worn out, he sat down and wondered if he could go, go on to the top. And then he heard another voice, and he knows this was the voice of the Holy Spirit. It said, get back up. Get back up. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, that put fire in him and energy to make it, and he made it to the summit. Bear tells us that the difference between Ordinary and extraordinary is that little word extra. You put in a little extra effort. God gave him the extra courage and fire to make it to the summit. Hold fast to God's promises and the promptings of the Holy Spirit so you do not give up. Two, encourage one another. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
We are to spur one another on to love and good deeds and not give up meeting together. We're to meet together faithfully in church and in our community groups and discipleship groups in order to encourage one another. Many people misunderstand this. They think the whole point of coming to church and being in a community group and, or a discipleship group is what they get out of it for themselves. But the writer to the Hebrews says one of the main purposes is to encourage one another. You're to encourage other people by your being there is to encourage them not to give up. If farmers gave up on the harvest and just let weeds grow up, uh, they'd ruin their harvest. It would become rampant with weeds. Uh, Farmers need to be encouraged not to give up, and so do we. So try to say something to encourage another person every day this week. Three, confess and repent of sin quickly. Uh, Living as a Christian does not mean that we don't fail, uh, sin, uh, say stupid things, do foolish things. It means that when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we confess it and repent of it quickly. We say we're sorry to God and ask forgiveness of others. The Bible's full of uh, examples of people who made mistakes, like we all do, but they didn't confess their sin. They were too proud to humble themselves before God, and they ended up uh, very badly. Judas. He walked with Jesus for three years in Jesus' band of 12 disciples. Then at the end, when he saw that Jesus was going to die on the cross and he wasn't going to just kind of take over as the king of Israel and and Judas was going to be one of his right-hand men, he got discouraged and, and he decided to trade in Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. As far as we know, he never confessed that sin. He ended up hanging himself. Saul was the first king of Israel. He started out great, good leader, obeying God and one time, the prophet of Samuel told him, I want you to defeat these people, and uh, you kill them all and all their animals. So Saul won that battle, and he thought, this is silly to kill all these perfectly good animals. And so he kept a lot of them back, and uh, he was going to use them for sacrifice to God. And then Samuel came along, and he says, what's the sound of animals I hear? And Saul said, oh, we're going to use them for sacrifice. And Samuel says, does God like offerings like he likes obedience? Of course not. And Saul was very angry. And at that point, Samuel said to him, I'm gonna, God's going to take the kingdom from you and give it to somebody more worthy. Once Saul realized that that next king was going to be David, he hated him. And he uh, chased him around the, the desert for 10 years. Solomon, David's son. Started out as a very godly king. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave him great wisdom. He made great decisions. Under his leadership, uh, Israel became uh, reached its high point in power, in riches, uh, in uh, all kinds of ways. Well, then Solomon began to think about how to keep his 
nation safe. And he thought, well, I have to make treaties with all these nations around me. And the best way I to do that is by marrying one of those king's daughters. And so he began to marry wives of all these uh, nations around them. And then sure enough, he began to worship the gods of these wives. And his heart strayed from God. And so God told him that he was going to take the kingdom away from from him. Uh, Uzziah was a prophet or a a king of uh, Judah. uh, And uh, toward the end of uh, Judah's years, uh, before they went into captivity with Babylon, and um, he was a good king. He became king when he was 16, and he did a lot of reforms, got rid of all the the worship to, to idols in the country, and got people back to worshiping God. And then toward the end of his reign, uh, he decided to go in and light the censers and, uh, and, and uh, lead in worship. God had uh, rules that kings did what kings did, prophets did what prophets did, and you wouldn't mix those. And so the prophets came in and said, hey, you're not allowed to be uh, doing this. And uh, Uzziah turned around and, you know, the flame in his hand, he was angry and came after them. And uh, so on the spot, God turned uh, his face white with leprosy. As far as we know, Uzziah never confessed his sin, and he lived out his final days living alone with leprosy. The sooner you repent of evil and to follow God again and do good again, the sooner you will, re- you will enjoy the rewards of doing good. The sooner you decide to not give up, the better you will do. A man was working with his boss on a project, and it was very frustrating, not going very well. And one day he came into his boss, and he says, I can't do this project anymore. Boss said, okay, it's up to you. And as the guy walked out of his office, the boss called out after him. He says, you know, it's always too soon to quit. Perhaps you've been contemplating quitting. Maybe it's a a ministry you're in. You're serving God and not much has been happening and you're discouraged. Or your job is very stressful. Or maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it's your faith in Christ. You feel like such a terrible Christian at times. You wonder if it might be better if you just throw in the towel. If you're wondering, wouldn't it be better just to call it quits? It's always too soon to give up. In 2015, John Smith was playing with some friends on a uh, frozen uh, on the uh, St. Louis River. It was frozen, and uh, he fell through. Uh, the police and Fire, firemen and the paramedics came and uh, they couldn't find him. He was under the water 15 minutes before finally uh, one fireman found him and they rushed him to the hospital. No human being has ever lived after being underwater that long in such freezing temperatures. And so for days he, he, he lay there unconscious in the hospital and the the whole city of St. Charles, Missouri was just kind of 
in a sense of hopelessness. But his mom said, God, give him life again. And amazingly, the doctors were just shocked. He came, he, he became conscious again, and he regained full uh, use of his body. His mother did not give up. Watch this a clip from the movie Breakthrough. Text your mom tomorrow and tell her when and where to pick you up. And uh, don't do anything stupid. Love you guys. Boys, get off the ice. We're training for the Olympics, sir. Cindy. He's been underwater for more than 15 minutes. It's going to be a recovery, not a rescue. I got something. We got him. We've done everything medically possible. There's nothing more we can do. Please, God, send your Holy Spirit to save my son. A 14-year-old St. Charles boy who spent 15 minutes trapped underwater is continuing to fight for his life. I don't believe John will survive the night. You don't know my son. He is a fighter. So I need you to be the best for John, and you just let God do the rest. You are my pride and joy. I can't wait to see you shoot those baskets and run up and down the court again. The Smith family asked for one thing. Please pray for John. In the water that day, I was ready to give up. But then I hear this voice telling me, go back. Either I'm nuts or God's talking to you. But I don't believe in God. I believe. But maybe that only goes so far with something like this. I'm your pastor. I'm supposed to walk alongside you for as long as it takes. Did you see the Facebook page? It's going viral. Call me. I hope he's going to be okay. We're not going to get through this alone. Whatever you have for me. From Brian, from John, I surrender. His mother did not give up on him. We reap the full benefit of doing good only if we do not give up. The Apostle Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, isn't it too soon to give up? Father, thank you for this counsel from the Apostle Paul and your word that let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, help us not forget that this week. If you're discouraged today, I want to encourage you to just tell that to God right now. And tell him you don't want to give up. It's too soon to give up. Uh, You pray. If you've never committed your life to Christ, just invite him into your life to be your Lord. Thank him for dying for your sins and being raised from the dead. You pray right now. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.